A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Alarmy. Before we get started, we wanted to make sure you heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as our aftermath post-interview discussion and final verdict. We'll also be putting out additional bonus episodes and other fun stuff. Here's a preview of Guest Alarmist, where I step aside and let a guest walk us through a personal tragedy, and together the Alarmist crew figures out who's to blame. This month, Leah Poliot discusses the sisterhood of the traveling disaster. But I, but I do want to say it's like what always happens, too, is that like you have these like, you know, destinations you want to go to. But then something always happens along the way. There's always magic involved. Yeah, what's it's the magic. The, what's such the bummer is that Leah and Sarah didn't get to kind of find those pockets of magic in their. Well, in did their you? We don't know. Was there a magical moment, even though all this chaos was going on that you guys think about, like with fond memories? It, there were some ravioli that we had when we first got into France. Uh, and <laughs> that is still magical in my heart. Great. It was the only place open from before dinner. We got in, it was like three or four at a weird time. Nobody was at this restaurant 
best ravioli I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, that's that's I'm great. so happy for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist and subscribe today. Now on to our episode. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the disappearance of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Here's what you need to know. Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, a Boeing 777 jet, took off at 12.42 a.m. on March 8, 2014. It was a routine trip from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to Beijing, China. The beginning of the trip was largely unremarkable, with the pilot in command, Zahari Ahmad Shah, communicating with air traffic control over Malaysian airspace. But at 1.19 a.m., as the plane was about to cross into Vietnamese airspace, Zahari said to the Malaysian air traffic controller, Good night, Malaysian 370. It would be the final communication heard from anyone on board the jet. The plane did not land on time in Beijing and was reported missing. Despite there being no verbal correspondence coming out of Flight 370 and the transponder being shut down, its flight pattern was tracked through conventional radar, which was able to determine that the plane took a sharp left turn after entering into Vietnamese airspace. It then flew southwest over the Malay Peninsula, then around the island of Penang and out over the Andaman Sea. At that point, the radar no longer picked up its signal. However, a geostationary Indian Ocean satellite operated by a private company called Inmersat was able to determine the flight flew southward for several hours over the Andaman Sea until it eventually ran out of fuel and crashed into the Indian Ocean between Australia and Antarctica. What followed was the most expensive and extensive plane rescue search in history. A multinational fleet of aircraft and vessels searched the waters surrounding the path the plane was thought to have taken. And despite several pieces of the plane churning up on shores over the course of the next several years, the majority of the airplane remains missing. The actual events that transpired on Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 and what happened the hours after their final communication remain a mystery to this day and have been a source of speculation worldwide. Fun Facts aka Death Stats all 12 crew members, along with 227 passengers from 14 nations, have never been found. 17 minutes passed before officials began searching for the plane. 
an Australian-led search costing more than $150 million of more than 46,300 square miles of remote Indian Ocean was called off in 2017, three years after the crash. The search involved more than 30 countries and 150 ships. The flight code MH370 was retired by Malaysian Airlines days after the plane disappeared, saying it would no longer use it as a mark of respect. No transmissions were received from the aircraft after its first 38 minutes of flight, and systems designed to automatically transmit the flight's position failed to work. The plane's black box, the flight data recorder, has never been found. In 2017, Malaysian Airlines announced that they are the first airline to sign up for a new service that would track its airplanes anywhere in the world using orbiting satellites. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is friend of the Alarmy, Anastasia Kousakis. Stash, we're so happy to have you on today. Oh, thank you for having me back. I'm thrilled to be here. And you're the perfect person for this particular episode because you have been obsessed with the Malaysian Airlines 370 uh, mystery. I mm -hmm. honestly thought this might be a joke when I when I was invited to partake because <laughs> I was like, is she trying to hurt me <laughs> or, or do I need this? I don't this is know. a Christmas present for you. <laughs> I love that you think my first the, the your first thought is she trying to hurt me. Uh, <laughs> well, everybody else in my life right now, mostly my children are trying to hurt me all the time. <laughs> I won't take it personally. But before we jive, we we jive, we dive. Let's jive. Before we jive, I, we have to ask you, you know, since the last time we saw him, you, what's what's recently alarming you? What's what's keeping you up at night? What is literally keeping it up me up at night? Probably perimenopause. Mm. Oh, yes. Heart palpitations. Hmm. Uh, how, that, yeah. How high does your heart rate go? I don't resting? actually, oh, I don't actually know the numbers, but I will, I can report back to you in the new year because I have an appointment with a cardiologist coming up because wow. I had to wear, um, a Zeo patch, which for a week on my chest, which like measures your heartbeat for that entire hmm. period of time. And then all the information goes to your doctor and she and I are having a chat uh after christmas so wow. i'll let you know wow so wait I'm fine. your I'm doctor fine. is monitoring your heart right <laughs> not not at this exact moment but for seven days in november wow. yes Whoa. what does that feel like heart palpitations it's i don't like, know if i've had that it's like your heart is just like like boom 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 boom, like um, racing kind of it's uh -huh. a it's a bit have of a you... race a bit of an irregular heartbeat okay have you um, ever been in love clayton <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Rebecca, yeah, maybe every... that's maybe Re... that's my problem. Maybe oh you're God, just in you're love. In love. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh <laughs> Your doctor's going to tell you all about it after Christmas. <laughs> it's a surprise Mike, to me. <laughs> Mike is going to be either really happy or really sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay okay. tuned. We'll see. Uh, it would be amazing if your your doctor could diagnose you with love. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Did You're you terminally you, in love. There's a, there's, a new, there's a new movie about this called Fingerprints on Apple. Oh. Oh. Anyway, if you guys want to see, yeah, that's that storyline play out. Are you in so, somehow connected to this? Yeah. Uh... No, I'm not. <laughs> not. I was just sick one and watched it in bed. Oh. Um. Well, we 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 really uh we hope you get good news in the new year. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and actually, this is going to be coming out in the new year. So who knows? You might already know um the outcome of your um your your love uh, yeah. yeah your love <laughs> whether i'm in love you guys can yeah. have an epilogue to the right, episode right. Well, yeah. whether your That's heart right. palpitations are in fact love which is <laughs> yes. what our first instinct is whether or not that you know is true mm-hmm. or not is we don't care you won't be on the podcast <laughs> yeah so so wait until the end of the episode and i'll probably say something like in the next few weeks, Stosh <laughs> did meet with her medical provider, <laughs> yeah. who confirmed mm-hmm. yeah. or totally, denied. Totally. Can't wait to find out who the lucky person is. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's the night. Ne- you're going to have to see a specialist for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have to transition. And, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of people lost loved ones on mm-hmm. this plane. Mm-hmm. And that was the real tragedy of, of of this mystery it's actually it's it's actually a mystery and we don't often do mysteries on the alarmist because it does make it hard to blame um right when so many questions are unanswered mm-hmm. but because it doesn't seem like there will ever be an answer mm-hmm. to this tragedy we're gonna dive in and we're gonna do the best uh, we can Right, which yeah. is better than any investigator investigating body in 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 history. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, they should have given us a hundred and fifty million or billion dollars or whatever they spent. Yep. Yeah. No, but I was thinking this this might be the hardest episode of the Alarmist that has ever has ever mm-hmm. happened. Certainly, be- my the most difficult episode because of the open endedness of it. Yeah, because there's just so many unanswered questions. Yeah, it's so weird. On, a, I, I, on brand though, like I have my theories and I'm pretty sure I know what happened. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, there you okay. go. <laughs> Thank God we have you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so l- let's dive in and how do we do this? There, There's a few that I feel like are not... There are more conspiracy theories, and and I, just for the record, I feel like everyone should read this uh, Atlantic article that was uh, written, I believe, in twenty twenty and or, or twenty nineteen, and the writer is okay. Hold on, let me get this for you, uh, William Lang Languishy. I'm probably okay. not saying that correct, but um, it's a great it's article. It's it's very long, but it's but it's very thorough and mm. it comes out after some debris has been found and uh, after some questions have been answered but the 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 main theory here okay is perhaps that the pilot was to blame based on this article okay and i'm just going to uh, uh 
read. So do you want to put the pilot on the board first? I think we do. Okay. I yeah. Think, okay. I think we do. Okay. This is uh, from that Atlantic article. Up in the cockpit that night, while First Officer Farik flew the airplane, Captain Zahari handled the radios. The arrangement was standard. Zahari's transmissions were a bit unusual. At 1.01 a.m., he radioed that they had leveled off at 35,000 feet, a superfluous report in radar surveilled airspace where the norm is to report leaving an altitude, not arriving at one. Mm-hmm. At 1.08, the flight crossed the Malaysian coastline and set out across the South China Sea in the direction of Vietnam. Zahari again reported the plane's level at 35,000 feet. 11 minutes later, as the plane uh, closed in on a waypoint near the start of Vietnamese air traffic jurisdiction, the controller at Kuala Lumpur uh, at the center radioed Malaysian 370 contact Ho Chi Minh, 120.9. Good night. Zahari answered, Good night, Malaysian 370. He did not read back the frequency, as he should have, but otherwise the transmission sounded normal. It was the last word heard from MH370. Hmm. So very odd. The last words that were ever recorded were, good night, Malaysian 370. It's chilling. Yeah. And the weird protocol, like that, not like doing things a little backwards, a little quirky. It's kind of like, what's, what's that all about? Yes, but it well, didn't it didn't ring any alarms at the no, time. No, and I guess like how could it have, right? Like if it wasn't totally and what if it had rung an alarm, what the heck would anybody have done? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. At that moment, it was unclear if they if even anything could like, have been could done. Could have been done to save yeah. the but situation. I, yeah. But regardless of whether anything could have been done, what it does indicate is the rationale behind it which is that it's possible is what they're saying it was a murder suicide essentially so let's get into that this is from cbs news Uh uh-huh what i'm sure there's theories about this well i mean could that hit be like a coded way of being like i'm communicating weirdly because i'm hijacked and like you know what i mean he's being like forced to talk so he's saying things a little odd so people like are kind of like why is he doing that is something like that's maybe a stretch that's a good question a good question. Uh, let, let's dig into that a little bit more. This is from a, an article from CBS News. 60 Minutes Australia brought together an international group of aviation experts who say that the disappearance of MH370 uh, was a criminal act by veteran pilot Captain Zahiri Ahmad Shah. He, he was killing himself, unfortunately. He was killing everybody else on board, and he did it mm. deliberately said Canadian air crash investigator Larry Vance. Boeing uh, 777 pilot and instructor Simon Hardy reconstructed the flight plan based on military radar and says Captain Shaw flew along the border of Malaysia and Thailand, crossing in and out of each country's airspace to avoid detection. The Guardian writes, the incident was a mass murder-suicide plot by Zahari, whose home flight simulators... Uh, was found to have mapped a similar strange path to the one indicated by radar and satellite data. The route, uh, this is from NPR. I'm reading a lot here, but we'll discuss. Okay. This is from NPR. The route was found on the home flight simulator of MH370 
uh, 370's pilot Zahari Ahmad Shah, in a session from six weeks before MH370's disappearance, the simulator was used to recreate the flight of a Boeing 777, a similar model to the aircraft that was lost. The simulated path took the aircraft from Kuala Lumpur, north of Indonesia, and then south into the southern Indian Ocean. The simulated plane was flown until it ran out of fuel. Shah was off work on the day the simulation was flown, according to records. This is from CBS News. This was a mission by one of the crew to hide the aircraft as far away from civilization as possible, Hardy said, which puts us way outside the search area that is currently being done. The wreckage uncovered so far may be further evidence that the pilot actually had control that it was not a high-speed crash. As Larry Vance noted of one wing component recovered from the shore of Africa, the front of it would be pressed in and hollow. The water would invade inside and it would explode from the inside. So this piece would not even exist. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, you just threw a lot at us. Yes. Why don't we take it <laughs> one step at a time? Now, this was a veteran pilot. Mm -hmm. uh, his co-pilot was, an, uh, you know, studying. He had... He after this flight, he would have completed all of his hours and would have become a uh, a pilot himself. Mm, sure. So they had paired this veteran pilot with with uh, um, what do you call a pilot who's in training? Trainee. Oh no! There's a real term for this. <laughs> I was going to say a cadet, but that is wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Sorry. So a lot of the the information that came out at first from Malaysian authorities was they, they definitely were not sharing a lot of the intel that they had. They allegedly just said it wasn't the pilot. Don't think about it anymore. He was fine. There, there were no issues. Now, he had recently gone through a divorce. He had, um, uh, he was having an affair with a woman uh, who was, I, I guess, married at the time. Uh, he was living alone. Like there, there, it wasn't just like this guy was perfect. He was fine. He, they did find the simulator at his, uh, uh, fr from when they would, they did a search of his home. So there was circum circumstantial evidence that may suggest that possibly he was unhappy and he was possibly. Mm -hmm. He had trained for this essentially because, like, uh -huh. he had taken this this flight path in at his mm. home simulator. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that was a specific detail they left out of that report, right? The path of the simulated flight. Right. Mm. Did they originally leave that out, or did they discover they, it later? They they left it out. Oh. The Malaysian authorities did when they were reporting their sort of initial findings. Maybe it was the report that came out about a year after the crash, I think. Mm. And they did not include this simulation. I think it was the FBI who ended up finding it and uncovering it. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but somebody else who was investigating from another country like found these deleted simulations mm. um, and exposed them. And it, it, it feels like he could have potentially had the control of the plane and and there are theories about how he did it which maybe we should jump into that yeah i'm so curious because what what was indicated right is that the 
the officer who was training, the flight, the pilot who was training is the one who was flying the plane, right? When the plane crossed over into the Vietnamese airspace. And then, so he would have had to somehow gain control if he was the one that did this, right? The, the, the experienced Captain's a heart. Yes. Yes. Captain, the captain. Something I heard was that he was known to be very meticulous about his uh, flying. And so Mm. it wasn't uncommon for him to send uh, the second, second officer. Is that what it is? Yeah. Second officer Mm -hmm. to go uh, see, I, I don't know, go see something in the back of the plane, like check on, on whatever. And he could have easily just locked him out of the cabin. Of the cockpit. Or like, wait, maybe it goes to the bathroom. Who knows? Wait until that. As they but do sometimes, yeah. It does feel like it was planned and strategic because there were uh, there was a very short period of time that he had from when they crossed into the uh, Vietnamese airspace. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's talk about that. So... Wait, sorry, before we move on, yeah. was there anything else based on that sort of chunk of pilot um, information that you gave us that would lead us to want to put more things up on the board? Like, should we right, put... Yeah, we only have the captain up right now. Well, we're going to put Malaysian authorities up up on the board, but I, I want to do some... Before we do that, I want to put the air traffic control and talk about that so that we're talking about it in... Uh, so, so, so we know what is very suspicious about this time okay this is uh again from that atlantic article the time was 121 39 minutes after takeoff the controller in kuala lumpur was dealing with other traffic elsewhere on his screen and simply didn't notice when he finally did he assumed that the plane was in the hands of ho chi minh somewhere out beyond his range the Vietnamese controllers, meanwhile, saw MH370 cross into their airspace and then disappear from radar. They apparently misunderstood a formal agreement by which Ho Chi Minh was supposed to inform Kuala Lumpur immediately if an airplane, if an airplane that had been handed off was more than five minutes late checking in. They tried repeatedly to contact the aircraft to no avail. By the time they picked up the phone to inform Kuala Lumpur, 18 minutes had passed since MH370's disappearance from the radar screen. What ensued was an exercise in confusion and incompetence. Hmm. Kuala Lumpur's Aeronautical Rescue Coordination Center could have been notified within an hour of the disappearance. By 2.30 a.m., it still had not been. Four hours elapsed before an emergency response was response was finally begun at 6:32 a.m. and that was around the time that that um that the plane was supposed to land in Beijing. So wow. what I from what I understand you're if you if a plane disappears from uh from the time that it leaves one airspace to the next you it, it, in 5 minutes if that plane does not you're not seeing it in your radar or whatever someone has to contact the the prior airspace mm-hmm. yeah they waited 18 minutes to contact uh kuala lumpur mm-hmm. which is three um, almost four times the amount mm-hmm. that uh of the agreement that should have been exercised yeah right and is that uh, incompetence but is that is there like any evidence of overworked understaffed you know like that kind of stuff where people are missing things or is this truly just like a 
they flubbed. It feels like they were trying to, who knows, if they were just busy. It was there was a lot of right. there there weren't enough people. Um, who knows if they were trying to contact the plane and just didn't use the proper protocol. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't have happened. And so the, maybe, but the pilot would have known that he at least had those five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so should we put up on the board um, following through on protocol? Not following through on protocol? Sure. Sure. Yeah, not following through. Um, and what they believe is that within those five minutes, he would have had to get the second officer out of the cockpit, Hmm. lock himself in the cockpit, take control of the plane, and perhaps either fly higher up to 40,000, above 40,000 feet, and and, and create what they believe was a situation where um, the passengers died of hypoxia. So... Because they were too like thin air kind of situation. Is that what that is? Yes. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read a uh, uh, again from the Atlantic article. Um, how how would you get off of the radar? Like how do you get? I mean, isn't that radar's radar? This is where I just I don't know much about this. So I believe that the way to do that would be to turn off the electricity on the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which seems to be what he might have done. Ah, now this is all an crazy. assumption. This is all an assumption. I, I want to put this all under the 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 banner of this is an assumption. If the pilot did it, this is right. What, right. This is what would have happened. Uh huh. And nobody believes that that it would have been the second um, officer because he probably didn't have the training to to do this kind of maneuver that the right. plane. Uh, flew in and he also was like at the beginning of his career so he would have been mm-hmm. a very excited this is like a big deal to finally finish your hours and and become a, a pilot for the the like malaysian airlines which was a very important job yeah i just want to say i feel like we should not have a situation where any one human being can control whether or not a plane stays on or off radar like that just seems like a real miss on our part like it should not it should just be like built into the plane like you know a black box if there's a crash yeah. right so that is that has to do with the what is the tracking system within the plane yeah it's the, the um, it should be automatic i mean this seems like a safety thing because well, people go rogue sometimes people might not know this but this this was something that happened there was an air france flight a few years earlier that was lost in the ocean Mm. And when that happened, people were like, well, where was it in the radar when it went down? And they said, well, there are certain areas <laughs> when you're flying above the ocean where planes are not actually being tracked. Oh, my God. Cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. And in this- there are dead zones, you know, and, and by that, I mean, like, there's just areas where the, the there you can't put satellites like where do you put a satellite in the middle of the indian ocean well right. in the, uh, sorry yeah. not a satellite but like a uh i don't know a, a tower right well <laughs> we get into here is like how 
radar and satellites even work, which right. is is confusing. But we're not going to even start. Try <laughs> yeah. to. Start we already that. sound and are dumb. <laughs> but maybe that's something we can talk about with our guest experts. Yes. But yes. why are there dead zones where there are flight possible flight patterns that do that cannot radar cannot track? Like how and is that possible? And yeah. if you go online and you search for this flight pattern that that the plane suddenly took right after he said good night uh malaysia 370 mm -hmm. it is he he it, it's almost like he or, or the plane goes just backtracks it, it does it it, it, it turns goes around from north going northeast to to go to going southwest hmm. it's a uh, sharp turn it's, it's sharp very turn. sharp yep yeah okay so the uh, let me read uh, another section, um, and and please put hypoxia up on the board. Okay. Okay. This is uh, an electrical engineer in Boulder, Colorado, named Mike Exner, who is a prominent member of the independent group, has studied the radar data extensively. He believes that during the turn, the airplane climbed up to forty thousand feet, which was close to its limit. During the maneuver, the passengers would have experienced some G-forces, that feeling of being suddenly pressed back into the seat. Mm. Exner believes the reason for the climb was to accelerate the effects of depressurization depressur that the airplane uh, had, causing the rapid inca incapacitation and death of everyone in the cabin. An intentional depressurization would have been an obvious way and probably the only way to subdue a potentially unruly cabin in an airplane that was going to remain in flight for hours to come. In the cabin, the effects would have gone unnoticed but for, but for the sudden appearance of the drop-down oxygen masks. And perhaps the cabin's crew, uh, crew's use of the few portable units of similar design. None of those cabin masks was intended for more... Oh, this is... This is a shocker. Brace yourself. None of those cabin masks was intended for more than about 15 minutes of use during emergency descents to altitudes below 13,000 feet. Uh, they would have been of no value at all cruising at 40,000 feet. Oh, my mm. God. How... <laughs> The cabin... he... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> the cabin occupants would have become incapacitated within a couple of minutes, lost consciousness, and gently died without any choking or gasping of air. The scene would have been dimly lit by the emergency lights with the dead belted, with the dead belted into their seats, their faces nestled in the worthless oxygen masks dangling on tubes from the ceiling. I didn't realize that 40... Because don't you fly around 30,000 feet, like... And 35,000 feet, like all the time when you're cruising. Like, I feel like the captain's always like, we're and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that 40,000 feet is, it seems we fly pretty close to the ceiling. Mm. Right. That's scary to me. I never knew that. Yeah. One more thing for me to worry about when I get <laughs> No, God. And the fact that they're only good for 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense because you're talking about a ton of, I mean, you're, if you need oxygen for all of the passengers, it's hundreds of people and, Right. There's only so much they can probably carry. I don't know. Well, and why would you, I guess like it, it, too, like why would you need to be in an area for that long? You know, like it's for the descent, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, hopefully you stabilize and then you can get people back on like regular oxygen. 
to like an emergency landing type right. of situation yeah. or something because you can get down pretty fast if you had to like if yeah. you had to get to the ground you could unless you're flying over the ocean yes yeah. right. you're flying over the ocean but then you would assume that the that you would just fly at a lower altitude right mm -hmm. right yeah um, um, I'm I'm reading that the highest or allow not allowable but how high is too high for uh -huh. a plane to fly? I, I asked Google and it said forty three thousand feet. Wow! So it's true. We're feels like we're so close. We're yeah, so close yeah. to that. But I'm sure there's a huge difference in that five to eight thousand yes. feet. Yeah. Sure. Um, but also, help me understand. Did the is the theory that the um pilot turned on some button or something to depressurize the plane or is it the feeling that the ascent w caused the depressurization or was it that he pushed a button to to or the altitude i mean yeah the the, the altitude right. I, I think the idea is that he flew he flew up to forty thousand fleet uh, perhaps the masks would have dropped uh, at some point even if people put the masks on it would have been just a matter of minutes Including before. the pilot who would have just well, died unless they had uh, an oxygen mask themselves or had prepared for that kind of scenario, because what mm. they believe is that he then flew, uh, put the, the eventually put putting the plane on autopilot and flying toward the, the ocean and it, the plane would have eventually run out of fuel and, and just crashed into the ocean. Some mm. theorize that the plane was so high mm -hmm. right that when it would go down it would essentially come apart right. on the mm -hmm. way down so you know it wouldn't even have come apart from hitting the water Whoa. it would have come apart just before right. it, it, it even hit the water so the the because i think it was like six hundred thousand miles per hour nope you can't no. be right. Six hundred <laughs> miles per hour. Six. It would have gone down at six hundred miles per hour. Six. I don't. Like I'm not sound barrier multiple times. Good at, <laughs> I'm admittedly not great at math, but I can tell you with pretty good certainty. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I'm like, yep, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. A few decimal points off, perhaps. <laughs> um. But okay. So up on the board, we don't have much here. Okay. Um, I I just want to encourage us to <laughs> well do the podcast we said we were going to do and yeah. try and yeah. put a few more things up on the board. I know I know there's just so many sort of moving pieces here, but yeah. do we want to put um planes fly planes flying too high to begin with uh, up on the board? <laughs> <laughs> flying too high. I'm just taking stabs in the dark at this point because to the, yeah. too close to the sun. Flying too close Flying to the sun. Flying too, too close, close to the sun. Can I also this this image of them, sort of the theory of going up to forty thousand feet and then all of the passengers just sort of gently dying. Yeah. Without so choking he, or yeah. gasping for air. To me, there's something in that which, like, kind of complements the theory that this was a mass murder suicide. It's like he sort of. Like it, it, there, it doesn't feel like there, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, sort of chaos. It feels very deliberate. Yes, I mm -hmm. agree. It, I mean, it's all it's just a way of speculating controlling the entire, yeah. um, 
Because the Ascension, uh, according to this article, also the Ascension wouldn't have gone noticed. Like nobody would have noticed except well, for Well, no, the... he said G-force. You would have felt the G-force. You would feel that. Yeah, just like, oh, oh, it looks like we're going fast when, when you're, when the back is. Right. Like when you're taking like off and like yeah. and you've kind of pushed into your seat, you're like, oh yeah, you feel that. But that would be kind of, I would be, I mean, maybe not, but like if we were like at cruising altitude and suddenly I felt like we were really pushing up high, bit, I'd yeah, kind of be like, what, what are we noticed. doing this for? Right. Oh, I would, the second I felt a single like ounce of G-force, I'd be like, this plane has been hijacked. <laughs> you guys may be better. <laughs> right? You guys might be better passengers than me because I don't, I feel like I would trust so much and maybe that's what, what we need to sort of examine more closely here. But I just would be like, oh, it's probably normal plane stuff. I don't understand. There's but they so would make much an, if plane there would be an announcement. Maybe he made an announcement like we have to. Oh, well, then he'd be giving himself away to his co-pilot. You know what I mean? Right. This is all the speculation. Right. So, yeah, there's, it, it just really begs the question of what was the what was the psychological state of this person that wanted to then be on board with like a two hundred plus dead people flying towards his own death into the middle of nowhere where no one was going to see debris, right. plane, anything. Like he 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 wanted no one to know anything. It is so mind-boggling yeah, mm -hmm. to not be able to like have an answer or wrap your head around what was actually going on. Yeah, the, the psychology behind mass murder suicide is mm -hmm. very disturbing. Yeah, I know. I remember when this was all happening, I really wanted to jump on board with some of the, cons I guess, conspiracy theories is sort of a loose term, but that that writer Jeff Wise, who was writing for, the New, York, for New York Magazine, um, who has the theory that there was a Russian... Um, the Russians took control of the plane or something. Mm. And initially back in the, in when the plane had initially disappeared, he was like, you know, hypothesizing that the plane had landed in Russia. And there were like Google images of like warehouses where uh, like there was all this stuff about how the plane had been hijacked and taken away. And I was like, I hope that's what happened. Like I need mm -hmm. that to be like what happened it, yeah. as opposed to like, everyone's dead just, right yeah and the yeah. plane just like dis literally disappearing is so chilling to me i can't yeah. live with it mm -hmm. and i i feel like a lot of the family members held out hope yeah. for uh for a while hoping that maybe they were still alive maybe right. the yeah. plane had been hijacked maybe it was uh somewhere in um uh, kazakhstan or something yeah uh, that it had like maybe it did fall into a, a the jungle in kazakhstan because that was another theory um and it and took then, long for them to find debris well, just because they had no idea that it made the turn i mean they kind of just didn't know what area it ended up in right this is part of the uh, part of the problem. Uh, this is why i feel like we should put the malaysian government up on the board. The the search for the plane was severely uh, delayed in the correct area because uh, the Malaysian government wasn't really sharing a lot of their intel. And so the, the, they were searching like in the first 48 hours of the, of the disappearance, mm -hmm. they were searching in the wrong area. And those are, mm -hmm. that's a crucial time period. Because it, it's right. really hard to find things in the ocean, as one can imagine. Um, yeah. Even like when right. you know where they are. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, still like a hundreds of miles radius. Yes. That yeah, like it's, yeah. It moves. Oh, and you think it'd be in their interest to sh to work with other governments because it's 
generally these kind of flights are international flights with people citizens from many different countries. So you like, why would they not join Share forces? That okay, well, let's, I, I want to read a little bit. Um, this is from uh, CBS News. An independent inves investigation report released Monday, more than four years after Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 disappeared, highlighted shortcomings in the government response that exacerbated the mystery. The report reiterated Malaysia's assertion the plane was deliberately diverted and flown for over seven hours after sever severing communications. It said the cause of the disappearance still cannot be determined and the possibility of intervention by a third party cannot be excluded. The Atlantic, this is uh, again from that article, less than a week after the disappearance, the Wall Street Journal published the first report about the satellite transmissions, indicating that the airplane most likely stayed aloft for hours after going silent. Malaysian hmm. officials eventually admitted that the account was true. The Malaysian regime was said to be one of the most corrupt in the region. It was also proving itself to be a furtive, furtive, fearful, and unreliable in its investigation of the flight. Accident investigators dispatched from Europe, Australia, and the United States were shocked by the disarray they encountered. Because the Malaysians withheld what they knew, the initial sea searches were concentrated in the wrong places, the South China Sea, and found no floating debris. Had the Malaysians told the truth right away, such debris might have been found and used to identify the airplane's approximate location. The black boxes might have been recovered. The underwater search for them ultimately centered on a narrow swath of ocean thousands of miles away. But even a narrow swath of the ocean is a big place. It took two years to find the black boxes from Air France 447, which crashed into the Atlantic Ocean on flight from Rio de Janeiro to Paris in 2009. And the searchers had known exactly where to look. So that one took two years. They knew where to find it. This, they didn't know where to find it, but they could have at least been closer. And eventually they did find pieces of the plane tracked that were tracked back to the being mm. actually from the plane because of serial numbers. But, and they found these pieces off the, I, I believe they had just uh, come in uh, to the shore off the oh, coast wow. of Africa. Right. Mm -hmm. So those weren't like found in the sense that they were like looking for those pieces. Right. They just they washed just, up on shore right. and were yeah, sort but, of Yeah, but like... there were people who were actually expecting that to happen. Right. And they were searching yeah. for them. I wonder if there's, uh, this just kind of makes me think of like the their response to the Malaysian government. Like, you know, like when you think about like an airline, like every nation, like air lines are kind of like a source of like pride it like means like you have economic prosperity you have like yeah. security like way of transporting your citizens yeah. and like it's kind of like a flagship thing of every nation or every like you know wealthy nation so it feels like maybe there's like a sense of like shame or like pride that they their flight suddenly like they couldn't figure out where their plane went kind of thing so they were like not working with people out of the i don't know plane like, pride uh, you want to call it plain yeah. pride? Plain pride. I guess. But, well, I think that, that that's, yeah, I, I think you're onto something because the, the airline was actually uh, either half government owned. There, I, I know that oh, it was yeah. also, it was a financial um, uh, decision to withhold information. Right. Absolutely, because this probably, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Malaysian Airlines has even bounced back. I don't, I yeah, right. I don't know, you know, but like this yeah. is a huge financial blow to 
any airline when something like this happens. Right. Well, but to have I, zero answers. Oof. I think it went from private. It was private at the time, and then it became state owned again. I oh, believe. okay. Okay. But again, investors, you know, uh, I'm sure the stocks would have gone down. Um, Maybe the even the pilot, I don't know. Maybe he had a sense that like there would be um, corruption would infiltrate the investigation and it would allow him to get away with, I don't know, some of this to some extent more than maybe he could have other places if, if in fact this is what happened. So, I mean, Whoa. they definitely deserve to be on the board, but. Mm. So, you know, what's true and there's maybe, this is how conspiracy theories are born, but mm -hmm. it was <laughs> unprofitable leading up to 2014. Like it was doing really poorly mm. and they might've needed a push to get it back to what's called, I guess, renationalization. Um, so, you know, bringing it back to the government. So, I mean, there's a conspiracy theory in there. We're not in that business, but um, it definitely, I mean, you know, dollars and cents. We can talk about cents. some of the conspiracy theories. Yeah, I was going to say, we have a small board and we're kind of far into this yeah. episode. So what outside of the pilot stuff should we like consider? Well, some people said it, there was uh, possibly a remote control of the aircraft. Um, subsequent analysis from military and civilian radar shows that the, uh, that the Boeing 777, uh, aircraft made a series of turns that brought it back over the Malay Peninsula. Investigators believe that the initial turns were deliberate, meaning that someone was controlling the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, um, I don't know if this is true, if aircrafts can be controlled remotely um, like remotely? hijacked and con remotely controlled yeah Boy, that's I hope terrifying. Not. <laughs> um oh my god I, I i thought i heard something that after 9 11 they started coming up with that with the ability to control an aircraft from outside to in order to stop hijackings it, that would be the the goal mm. this seems like very ill-advised <laughs> i i but what do i know no, it, it's not. It looks like it's they don't allow for that to be built into passenger aircraft, okay. like commercial passenger aircrafts. Okay. I mean, you, I mean, I'm doesn't say that it's not possible, right? Like the it technology is the probably yeah. there. Yeah. The technology right. is probably there. What they're telling us is that no. Yeah. Um, and I am definitely, definitely becoming a conspiracy theorist by the end of this episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love the conspiracy. I mean, maybe it's possible that a passenger hijacked the plane, right? But we, the the timing of everything does not point to that. And because of like, again, this good night and like uh -huh. the specificity of like changing over right. to the mm -hmm. air. But, you know, I suppose it's possible. How creepy is it that he his last words were good night? And if the hypoxia theory is true, if he raised elevations, they would have, I guess, looked like they were sleeping. It's right. so true. creepy. Chilling. That is chilling. It's so so chilling and How, creepy. I can't. Now, you guys who have read the big long Atlantic article, was there a, any sort of investigation into the passenger list and and if the backgrounds of any of these people, if they were capable of flying that kind of thing? Yes, from what I saw that there they did investigate the the passengers and there were two people on the plane who had false uh fake passports. Ooh. Mm. Um, but I believe that they were just using them as a immigration kind of, Okay, they, they were, it was not, um, 
it wasn't people who had um criminal records or, or right okay like that. okay um we we should put a third party hijacking as as a p- possibility but i feel like had that happened first of all what is what would have been the point right yeah to hijack this plane and and the, then and then fly it yeah disappear into it, the ocean yeah right cuz usually there's a purpose for a hijacking yeah right. you're you're taking right. a, a plane hostage right. for something right. unless it was an accident but again the the flight simulation you know is always there to pr- make it feel like this wasn't necessarily a hijacking by someone mm-hmm. else but but yeah if there was like an accident and everybody died and then the plane just like flew itself into the into the indian ocean so a botched attempt at a, a botched hijacking hijacking uh-huh. yeah let's put botched hijacking up on the board yeah. just because we need stuff up there it's <laughs> it's possible you know there's also mm-hmm. the possibility that uh it was shot down mm. I mean, that was an early theory wasn't there another Malaysian flight that was actually shot down in that time period? Wasn't it in the Ukraine? Can you look that up? Yes. It Mm. was like a a few months later. Um, It was, I forget who it was shot down, but I think it was over the, it was, it was, yeah. Malaysian airlines flight 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Jeez. Shot down by Russian controlled forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's we can also put human error up on the board because we don't know. Right. I mean, I don't know, mental health issues. Uh, I, sure. mean, I mean, what was the... go- going on with this guy and like lack of, I don't know. The. Mm-hmm. Support? Pi- pilot mental health. Um, I mean, recently there was uh, a pilot uh, story in the news where, yes. right? Um, there was the the pilot who, f- it's. I guess it's common for pilots to fly in the third seat in the yes. cockpit. Yes. If they're going back and forth from cities and, and it's, it's a courtesy almost sometimes mm-hmm. that they offer if they have to get back to another airport. Um, and there was that pilot who sat in the third seat and, and try to like to control yeah. take control and, and oh, kind of like nosedive right. and they he was to, having some kind yeah. of psychotic break mm-hmm. yeah he also had done drugs um like some kind of a yeah. psychedelic drug I'm, I'm not sure if he was still on them or had but very recently done them so yes i mean I, the people find the planes are literally just people yeah that they're just humans with their ups and their downs and their life and their own complications. Like you want to, you kind of have to like compartmentalize that. You just think, no, they, this is like, they're very serious and robotic and, you know, meticulous about it. But sometimes they just have a bad day and they have to fly 200 people across the country. (laughs) Now I feel like we have a good board as good as possible, unless there's anything else you want to throw up before we, we cross things off. I think it's going to be a quick one. So let's yeah. let's take a quick break and start knocking things off the board. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, who's to blame for the tragedy of the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370? Is it the pilot, air traffic control, Malaysian government, not following through on protocol, radar dead zones, hypoxia, flying too close to the sun, national embarrassment slash plane pride, <laughs> remote control hijacking, third-party passenger hijacking, botched hijacking, plane shot down, human error, error or mental health complications. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is the impossible task. Um, but what do you think alarmist? What do you think we should do here? Well, I do feel like flying too close to the sun can come off the board. <laughs> I do think that uh, hypoxia as well, because it seems like that's a symptom of what is happening. That wasn't like necessary to blame for the crash. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah unless you know because even like if the plane malfunctioned and just went forty thousand feet into the air that would still be like a plane malfunction that wouldn't be hypoxia's fault right yeah. that's just like mm -hmm. what happens when you go too right. high right it feels like national embarrassment slash plane pride is also kind of in the like uh you know a result of the tragedy versus maybe something that caused it yeah mm -hmm. i agree plane pride is a great term though it is it is. I really like it. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I also, I, I know that it could happen, I guess, but I don't know about remote control hijacking. It's unlikely. Yeah, well, if the plane cannot, well, the, if we, have, we just have to believe the government that they tell us that planes are not built with the kind of thing that's like, could be 
controlled remotely. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just believe your governments. Super easy, right? <laughs> it's true. But it does make you think like, you know, I mean, you know, like Tesla's like that have like self-driving capabilities, like they can probably re- be controlled remotely. Sure. Um, uh, probably. I don't, I mean. They just all got recalled <laughs> because of something to do with the, you know, the, exactly that, like the uh, driverless driving, like uh, technology, like it's all wrong. And it's so, not all Teslas. Really? There are other. Oh, yeah. There are other self-driving cars. But anything yeah. that sort of connects remotely to a satellite can, I don't know, it just freaks me out. Yeah, I agree. Do we, I mean, it, it, I guess we have to decide whether we think hijacking is a real possibility here too, because there's other right. hijacking options. So like those, the bots hijacking or the third party passenger hijacking could come off if we're like, this probably wasn't a hijacking. I, I don't know. I, I don't believe that it was a hijacking yeah. because I feel like we would have either heard um I, I feel like there would have been more of a chaos on yeah. the plane so yeah much, yeah no contact at all kind of seems to rule that out right no one used their phone no one tried to i don't know contact there was, a loved yeah, one yeah and there wasn't even like a person making a demand to air like usually they would contact air traffic control and say we've taken over this plane we're landing here right here's our list of demands or whatever yeah. it is and that kind of leads me to consider the fact that this was had to be sort of a planned intentional event because mm-hmm. the you got to think the pilot in this case wouldn't allow like in sort of impromptu sort of um, catastrophes there's like moments of confusion and like you're saying there's like the possibility that I mean maybe somebody could have reached out to someone. Mm-hmm. Is that possible on a plane though? Flying it out, if there's like not even radar capability, like can yeah, somebody? Yeah, but that, when it got hijacked, it wouldn't have been in an area that that would have been uh, like it was on its. It was flying over Vietnam, so mm-hmm. it wasn't in a dead zone. Over, over, it wasn't the, over the dead yeah. Zone. So it's possible that they could have tried to contact someone. Yeah. Um. I mean, just from what we know about like 9-11 people on the plane were, and that was in 2001, they called their loved ones from cell phones. So Mm -hmm. I would assume in 2014, it would be even easier. And a lot of these planes have um, entertainment. Um, Yeah. They have Wi-Fi on the flight, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is actually one of the reasons why they were able to track. So apparently those systems have their own satellites. Oh, wow. And that's how they were able to figure out the path. Hmm. Uh, oh. Um, uh, it was Because they had shut down all of the radars on the plane. So air traffic control couldn't find them. But later on, the it was the, the company that provided the entertainment system that was able to, to give a more accurate path. Sure. Yeah. It was like pinging off of their, ta- their yeah. towers or something. Or, or Satellite, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. fascinating. Okay. So should we put down like plane shot down? Like we can take that off the board yeah. because mm-hmm. I just don't think that we have enough evidence. And the, the radar Human, yeah. like dead zone, that's that's just it's gross. bad, but we don't yeah. I mean it's just scary to think about. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like human error too is a, just a little vague for what we've been okay. discussing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now we're left with the pilot. Air traffic control, Malaysian government, 
uh, not following through on protocol, which I think can um, fold into the traffic control, sure. not following through on protocol, and then uh, mental health complications. And really, now I don't know where to go because we just don't have answers. I know. It's like, even if we pick something, there's nothing really, I don't know, satisfying about it in some way no. because, because we don't, it's such a mystery, right? Like yeah. We, yeah. we just don't know. I don't mean that in like a, it's not interesting or to think about or talk about, but it's like, it's so bizarre to be in this position when yeah. you're trying to lay blame. I mean, I really like mental health for something, but I, I'm not sure if it, if it carries enough weight to be, to go to the, to go to jail. Yeah. I, I feel like, but it's I'm, I'm having a hard time wanting to take it off um malaysian government i don't know i would like love to blame them for something but the scene we could focus more on instead of trying to like get the person like you know we solved crack the case it's more just like maybe we throw a person or thing in jail for like the incompetence fact you know element of it all or something yeah i mean if if that were the case then it, the 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 biggest mix up came from the air traffic controls on on both ends both mm -hmm. uh malaysian and uh kuala lumpur and uh ho chi minh mm -hmm. so i mean it that would but that's still i still have a hard time blaming them because of that initial question of what do they do if they think the plane has been someone is going rogue or taking control of the right. plane and, and taking it off course. What, in, in, what would air traffic control do? Yeah. Or is At this the point. first episode we don't blame anyone? <laughs> mm. Well, actually we just had an episode where we didn't put anybody in the alarmist jail. Didn't we? Mm. We talked about it, but then we, Oh ended up no, <laughs> we ended up putting somebody in the alarmist we jail. We wouldn't yeah. dare. Not yeah. put <laughs> um, well, do you feel uncomfortable putting the pilot in jail because the, there's no definitive evidence? I, I feel like it was the pilot. That's yeah, everything I've read, everything points in that direction, and I just can't get over the simulator part. I, I totally agree. Yeah. The simulator to me is like that, that the hardest evidence we could, or, you know, the closest thing we have to like really hard evidence, yeah. yeah. Um, so and, all, I, and ultimately I, the pilot is in charge of everyone's safety. Like that is their yeah. job, right? Yeah. So even if it wasn't intentional, exactly. something serious happened. They, what we they, were just talking about sort of remote controlled airplanes, the reason why the pilot is there is, or rather the reason why we don't have remote controlling is because of pilots. Pilot, right. they yeah. want a human yeah. being in charge there. So Okay, so I, I we're running out of time. I feel like I, I'm going to, blame the pilot i'm we're sending the pilot uh captain zahari to the alarmist jail okay right. what do you want to slap and i do think we slap well as much as i want to slap mental health complications i feel like that's speculation too okay so I, maybe we slap something air traffic for, control yeah. because at least it, or or the malaysian government for withholding all of the information I kind of want to slap the Malaysian government for just yeah. the way they tried. They they didn't completely. Um, they didn't. They weren't upfront about all the things that they right. knew in the beginning. But that's just me. Okay. And you could fold traffic control into the government because that's usually like federally or or, or like state. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. I feel at least for the regulated. Malaysian side. Yeah. I feel bad for those air traffic controllers. I know. Mm -hmm. I know, but yeah, also got to follow protocol. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But they are human.
Um, okay, well, I'm going to call it. Malaysian government, you're getting the big slap. The pilot, Captain Zahari, you're going to the alarmist jail. And again, that there's a big question mark next to all of these, but... So should you say, Captain Zahari, you're going to the alarmist jail? <laughs> oh, we did. like as a question. As a, as question. a question. Oh. <laughs> like we just did that. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. Well, Sash, thank you so much for helping us try to figure this one out. It was impossible, but we did our best. We did. Thank you for allowing me to relive one of the worst nightmares um, that has ever played yeah. out in this, real life. And this is going to come out during, like, right after the holidays when everyone's flying back. Oh, God. Uh, oh, good. Home. So, did we do that intentionally? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Doesn't Sorry, feel guys. right. Really that is so feel. funny. Oh, my God. Flying just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Sorry about that. We apologize. <laughs> In the aftermath, in November of this year, 2023, hearings began in Beijing for relatives of the Chinese passengers aboard Flight 370. The state media reported that more than 40 relatives were seeking between 10 and 80 million yuan in compensation, the equivalent of 1.4 and 11.2 million American dollars. The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash thealarmist or check out the link in our show description. Visit our website, www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, at thealarmistpodcast and on Twitter, at alarmistthe. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with editing by Molly Hockey and fact-checking by Chris Smith. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST.